1: Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation,
0: basketball, football, and the latest
1: recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports,
2: then it's here
1: on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation, a sea of blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue. This is your host, Aaron Gershon, riding solo, well, kind of riding solo for this episode, the special episode of the Cats by 90 podcast as we preview the upcoming 2020 Kentucky Wildcats football season that... I think, a lot, I think honestly a lot of us can say we didn't expect to happen amid this uh, pandemic and craziness throughout our world uh, in the crazy year that is 2020, but UK is just now one week away from embarking upon a 10-game 2020 season that will feature exclusively SEC play. So it will be all SEC teams, it'll be your SEC East as every year, Uh, This year, the normal uh, scheduled pairing with the West was Auburn, or on schedule. They'll always play Mississippi State, and then they get uh, the gift of an add-on in Alabama. They'll be going to Tuscaloosa, and of course, they'll host Ole Miss as well in this 2020 season that many believe Kentucky has the deepest team in school history. And it'll obviously be put to the test because you're going to be playing the Gators, you're going to be playing the Bulldogs, you're going to be playing uh, Alabama and Auburn. It's going to be put to the test, but this team on paper, many consider, including myself, the deepest team in Kentucky football history. And it's hard to argue not, and we're going to kind of just go through uh, the depth chart and go through the expectations. I'll give you my game by game prediction at the end. But uh and we'll also hear from former Kentucky Wildcat uh Van Hiles. He's gonna join us as well for about 20 minutes to discuss his thoughts on what he's expecting from this Wildcat team, his record prediction which you won't want to miss, and Van is just a football nut. Uh, For you diehard UK football fans played here uh, in the 90s, I believe he had eight career interceptions uh, as a defensive back for the Cats, ended up in the NFL for a season before uh, moving on. He's doing a lot of podcasting of his own. Uh, He's a Louisiana guy, so he knows some of the UK guys like Kelvin Kelvin Joseph and Joel Williams that come from uh, Louisiana. So a lot of insight from him, and we'll get to him uh, after I kind of just give you a quick uh, overview of this roster, uh, we'll go to Van after that, and then we will hit uh, the game-by-game predictions from me. Uh, last year, I believe I had Kentucky at 9-3, and three, uh, one game off uh, with the prediction there. And I thought I was going to be much more than one game off with how the season looked early on, but Lynn Bowden kind of comes in, salvages that season, not just salvages that season, makes a fantastic and memorable season out of it. So, without further ado, though, Lynn Bowden's gone. He's well now. Miami Dolphin. He was a Raider already. Uh, poor kid's already <laughs> been traded. But uh, that's a story for another day. Uh, as we look ahead to this 2020 team, that will have Terry Wilson back under center. Terry Wilson, of course, tore his patellar tendon in the second game of the 2020 season, or uh, 2019 season, rather, against Eastern Michigan. And for two weeks three weeks it was daunting uh the second half against uh florida looked like it was off to a really good start obviously of the fourth quarter collapse and come back by the gators in typical florida kentucky fashion um so that we all know how that went uh sawyer smith then was banged up himself uh struggled against mississippi state and south carolina and then uh, they handed the ball back over to Lynn at quarterback, and he took them six and two down the stretch. But Terry, from everything I've heard, I've talked to him obviously during press conferences, uh, talked with Mark Stoops about him at press conferences that he ran all of his team or not all of his teammates, obviously, but a handful of his teammates. And he, from all accounts, he is a hundred percent locked and loaded, ready to roll uh, for this twenty twenty season. And uh, this will be it for him. Obviously, there's speculation that the NCA might allow. Kind of a blanket waiver for this year and allow anybody who chooses uh, that they want to have a normal year in 2021 be their last or come back and have an extra year of college eligibility. Uh, That sounds like it's a real possibility. Uh, But for Terry, he's made it clear with a baby on the way. He might try a future in football, might go to coaching in football. Uh, this will be it. So Terry Wilson, if healthy, is your starting quarterback, and you got to feel pretty damn good about that. 12-3 uh, and 3 as a starter. Uh, he looked really good in those first, that first game and a half of last season, too. It looked like it was going to be a really strong, improved year from Wilson, who was kind of up and down uh, his first year here, but you can't hit him hard too much because it's his first year adjusting the SEC, and he also was playing through an injury that he suffered week four against Mississippi State that he said really affected him the entire year. And obviously, you know, he got benched against Missouri, but two things that's going to help Wilson, and you'll probably see, I would figure if Joey Gatewood gets his eligibility, he'll be the backup. I honestly think, uh, you know, obviously people want to see him out there. He's the high uh, profile guy that Kentucky went and was able to land from Auburn as a transfer, but I don't think it would be that big of a deal if he is eligible, because it would give you time to focus on Terry and developing Bo Al and Sawyer Smith last year. But uh, obviously, can't wait to see Gatewood on the field. I think he'll be the starter in the next two years after this. Um, but what's going to make Terry's job easier coming back from the injury? And we'll talk to uh, Van about that later. He talked about that in the interview you'll hear uh, between us two. Uh, he has a great running back trio and maybe four guys. I mean, A.J. Rose, A.J. Rose, many people don't realize, is just about, I believe, it's 420-something yards. And he'll be in the top 10 in Kentucky football history in rushing, so this is one of the best running backs ever come through this campus. And yeah, he's had some issues fumbling the ball, but he's had some big plays. He had the two longest runs of the season each of the last two years, even with everything that Lynn and Cavassier have done, so uh, i got to give him credit. And then as mentioned, Cavassier and Chris Rodriguez, who both had over 600 yards, six touchdowns a year ago, they're both back, and only, uh, they're young guys, they're only redshirt sophomores, so... The sky's the limit for both of those kids. They're going to be here at least three years each, you would think. Uh, I don't think either of those guys jump out at you as leaving a year early for the NFL. Uh, so really, really impressive running back group. And then a guy who's gotten a ton of praise is Juwan McClain, the freshman from Ohio. Uh, four-star recruit. A lot of heads uh, that he's turning uh, at UK camp. But you could see him get in the mix. And then there's obviously Travis Tisdale, who's a redshirt freshman. We saw him score his first uh, career touchdown in the blood over uh, middle. Who was over Tennessee? M- Tennessee Martin, excuse me. Uh, toward the end of last year, second to last week. So he's a guy who kind of reminds me of Cavassie. He's got a huge burst. He uh, has elite speed, and we'll see if he gets in the mix. But he's got a lot of got a lot of work to do. It seems like McLean might even be ahead of him. And then the other side. We'll get to the wide receivers in a minute. But the other key for This Kentucky offense and what's going to make Terry Wilson's life so much easier is the offensive line. I mean, you have four of the five guys that helped block for the number four rushing offense in the country returning from last year. You have Landon Young, Drake Jackson, Luke Fortner, and Darian Kennard. And all those guys are either preseason All-Americans of some sort. Or preseason All SEC guys. I mean, it is a loaded group. The one question is going to be at the left guard position, where obviously uh, Logan Stenberg held down the fort the last four years. He's now in the NFL with the Detroit Lions. So you're probably going to you're either going to see Austin Dotson, who can play a lot of different positions, another massive body, Commonwealth bred kid. Um, you just look at him, and he's a scary looking dude. Uh, he's turned a lot of heads at camp. Uh, he is a believe going to be a redshirt sophomore or junior this year junior from belfry kentucky yes 6'6 313 pound monster so you might see him in there or you might see the kid with one of the better stories in all of college football and kenneth horsey a guy who had heart issues and now playing and could be starting at left guard for kentucky kenneth horsey a guy that they've been high on as well, and then there's so much depth behind those guys. I mean, Nasir Watkins has played a lot of football the last couple of years. He's had his injury issues, but he's been a starter for this Kentucky team. Uh, Quentin Wilson, the backup there. Jeremy Flax coming over from uh, Independence Community College, big 6'6 guy uh, offensive tackle. And then Nick Lewis, the 6'9 offensive tackle. And then a bunch of uh, true freshmen coming in and redshirt freshmen like Eli Cox and Jake Pope. Uh, they're going to battle and compete and give more depth. So that Kentucky offensive line still is definitely the strongest unit of this entire team. And you could argue it's the best in the SEC. You really could. And that <laughs> tells you how times have changed here in Lexington when it comes to uh, football. Uh, this is definitely not typical. Uh, concerns, I think, for the, the main concern of the offense is the receiver crew. My, I think everyone's opinion. Uh, Josh Ali, really the only proven commodity of the group. I think Allen Daly did some nice things. Uh, before Terry went down, it was a very small sample size. He did an excellent job blocking. Uh, but we didn't really get to see him catch the ball much. Uh, Bryce Oliver had a couple splash plays against Missouri. He had one of the first game against Toledo. But uh, he was the MVP also in the spring game uh, in 2019. Obviously, no blue-white spring game this year with COVID. But uh, he has big playability. Just another unproven guy. And then Cleveland Thomas, the junior, has been here a while. Uh, he was obviously on the receiving end of Lynn Bowden's first touchdown check of last season against Arkansas, and another guy showed some flashes at a really nice play in the Vanderbilt game, almost found the end zone there. I think he finished with just over 100 yards, but again, just over 100 yards, it's not much. Just not to his fault, obviously, um, with the lack of throwing the football last year. But uh, he's definitely going to be a name to watch this year. He's a guy that a lot of people are circling. It's kind of an X factor for that group, and then you look at the depth. Uh, Demarcus Harris, he's a redshirt freshman who I don't think played any receiver. He might have played a little last year. I don't think he had any catches or anything. Isaiah Epps did a lot of good things back in 17 and some of 18, but he missed all of last season with injury. Uh, Toe stuff, foot stuff, and his. I have no idea what his status is. I think we've all been trying to get information out of Coach Stoops and Coach Grant about, Epps and they kind of say they kind of dodge it so we don't really know what's going on with him uh michael jernan the second the four-star incoming freshman out of ohio i think he was the second highest rated kid in this uh 2020 class behind justin rogers he's been making waves you could see him get in the mix and then uh, i think Akeem hayes is a guy to watch as well maybe get some passes but there's not much proven depth there at receiver it's going to be really interesting kentucky's obviously going to throw the ball a lot more this year, you would think, keep offenses defenses, excuse me, off balance. I think maybe, you know, Lynn's obviously the biggest loss from last year. There's no doubt. But I think outside of that, you got to look at Ahmad Wagner as the biggest loss from last season's team, just given what he was able to do with his size. If Kentucky beats Florida in the game early on in the year, that was the play of Kentucky season. There's no doubt about it. So Ahmad Wagner is a huge loss. Uh, they're going to miss him a lot this year, I think. And then tight end, there's some question marks. And, you know, you like the players there. Justin Rigg has done some pretty good things. Keaton Upshaw had the touchdown against Florida. He's a big body. He's a guy I've circled since he arrived on campus here in twenty eighteen. A four star guy out of Florida. He can really, really play. He's like a big uh he's like a big power forward. He can go up and grab rebounds in the end zone, throw it up to him, he'll get it. Uh six six, six seven guy. Uh and obviously him and Rick did a great job blocking last year, but kinda even the first year with Terry, they didn't throw to CJ Conrad as much as a lot of us we're hoping they would. So I want to see the tight ends get more involved in this offense. And, you know, that's Vince Marrow's group. So I know Vince is going to be chomping at the bit to get his group going in. But he said this might be the best group he's ever had together. Uh, obviously, you also include Brendan Bates and Nick Ovagenic. Uh, I hope I got your name right, Nick. Um, in that mix, couple guys that they were really high on coming into here. Uh, Bates is going to be a sophomore this year. A uh, redshirt sophomore, I believe, in Ovagenic, a redshirt freshman. Uh, both. I believe neither caught a pass last year, if it' right. Both played on special teams. Uh, Vigenic took the redshirt year, so he didn't play more than four uh, last season. We'll flip you over to the defense here, and then we're going to take a break and hear from Van. Uh, and after we hear from Van, we will, uh, give. I will rather, give you my game guy game predictions and obviously explain what I'm thinking with that. But... Definitely want to look at the defensive side of the ball, which last year, Kentucky finished with a top 25 offense for the second straight year. They also um, finished with the number two pass defense. and uh, I kept saying on the Big Blue Insider, which we obviously are on 630 WLAP every weeknight from 6 to 8, um, 630 a.m. here in Lexington, anywhere on your iHeartRadio app. Had to get the shameless plug in there. Um, I just kept saying before the Big Ten just made the big decision to you know, come back and play ball this fall that um, they had the best returning pass, for, pass defense in the country because Ohio State finished one and Kentucky finished number two last season. Those were the only two programs in the nation. The Ohio State Buckeyes, who were really of Justin Fields interception, late interception away from the national championship game, and the Kentucky Wildcats had the two best pass defenses in the country and were the only two teams in the nation that failed to allow ten touchdowns. Passes, so only nine, I believe, for both clubs. So really, really impressive. Especially with, we'll start with the secondary. have to, after all the mouth, i just gave you on them. Especially after, in 2018, you lose four guys who ended up either on NFL rosters or with a job, uh, were signed uh, as free agents and got a workout in Mike Edwards, who's still with the Buccaneers. Lonnie Johnson's a starter with the Houston Texans. Uh, Darius West got a chance with the Bengals, I believe. Uh, he was There was rumors he was with the Giants, and he was with the Chiefs, the Raiders, Bengals. I don't even know where he ended up. He definitely got tryouts in, though. And then Derek Beatty was with both the Texans and the Giants um, on the practice squad throughout last year. So all four of those guys ended up being NFL guys. And Chris Westry. Uh, so actually five NFL guys. He's a guy I always sleep on. He's one of the... The fastest players in the NFL, believe it or not. He's still with the Cowboys, I believe, on their practice squad. He missed last year with an injury. But he's a the guy they're super high on and kept bringing back. So last year, you kind of have all these unproven guys, and you don't know what you're going to get because of all the guys I just mentioned leaving. But, I mean, one of the best pass defenses in the country. Uh, all Brendan is the cornerback. Cedric Dort, the cornerback, Yusuf Corker, the safety, led the team with tackles. All those guys finished among the three, uh, ten highest rated defensive backs in the SEC by Pro Football Focus. So these are elite, they put up elite numbers, el- at least the elite nerd numbers, right? Uh, the one thing you want to see from this group this year, though, for sure, more than last year, is they got to pick the ball off. They got to uh, create turnovers. And uh, I'm actually going to give you some sound bites from those guys on just how important it is to get some turnovers. That's another part of the show I meant to tease. I want to get that in here. hear from some of the guys uh, just from these uh, interviews that we do with them every couple days. And you know what, maybe we'll get a quick sound on how important it is to get the interceptions because that was just the one thing last year that they really struggled with. I believe I just um, rattled off all those names and only Corker was the only one in the group that had a pick, even as well as Eccles and Dort played. Neither of them had a pick, and yeah, here's a perfect time. Let's hear from Cedric Dort. I asked him about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, what he thinks, uh, how Kentucky needs to step it up and get some more interceptions this this season.
2: Um, our main goal this year, we want to make more plays on the ball. Uh, even though we was um, second in the nation in passing yards and, and, more, and like pass efficiency and stuff like that, and passing touchdowns, uh, we feel like we didn't really get a, a chance. Uh, on the ball as much. We didn't make a lot of plays on the ball as in um, interceptions and, uh, and PBUs. So that's our that's our main goal this year. Uh, we'll top two, but we'll want we'll to be uh, number two this year. We're trying to go for number one. We're just trying to make as much plays as we can on the ball this year.
1: I think that's an important goal. Kentucky's got to turn the ball over more. They didn't even force that many fumbles last year. That was the one thing with their defense, as good as they were. They did not... Create enough turnovers, and then the if you want to win games in the SEC this year, it's inevitable. Your offense is going to turn it over. The SEC defenses are too good uh, not to create turnovers. And if Kentucky can't create turnovers, specifically in that secondary, uh, by picking off the balls, uh, and getting interceptions with all that talent they have in the secondary, and there is so much talent there, uh, they're not going to they're not going to be able to replicate a top three pass defense even with less teams. So, got to get more picks. But overall, you got to love what that secondary has to offer. And then the second strongest aspect of that uh, defense has to be uh, the defensive line. Uh, You really, really like uh, Josh Paschal moving down to the defensive end position. He looked a little uncomfortable at times, still a pretty good year. Obviously, with everything he went through, it's hard to get hit on him too much. But I think he's going to really do well at his natural defensive end position next season. Jordan Wright. Is a guy I'm really high on. I think he he obviously scored that touchdown to win the belt bowl or finish the belt bowl. The game was kind of won, but still a moment he'll never forget. Uh, I think he's a guy to watch. Jim, Boogie Watson, six and a half sacks last year. He kind of got off to a slow start. They're going to need him to get off to a hotter start this year. But he's a guy actually. Boogie, we'll get you a sound here from uh, Jordan Wright. Boogie is the guy who's kind of taking that Josh Allen role in that um, in that defense where he's becoming the leader the guy that people want to hear from people are looking up to and jordan Wright, as I mentioned uh talked about that a couple of weeks ago uh with the media
2: uh things i picked on from book this year is he taking his leadership role much harder so he made sure everybody in our position group defense offense make sure they're doing everything right make sure you know you playbook your plays the play signals and just every rep he go hard like it's his last one so I'm picking up off that just make sure I play like every day
1: my last so I mean not only is Boogie emerging as a leader in that outside linebacker room it seems like he's emerging as a leader on this team so he's a guy they need to get him off to a hotter start he didn't really get going until he had a couple sacks against South Carolina which believe was the fifth game of the season last year yeah I was down there Covering uh, that game in the press box in Columbia, so uh, they need to get him going a little bit uh, earlier. But he'll, if he's out, if not healthy, if he gets off to a hot start, he, he could lead the SEC in sacks. That's how talented that dude is. And he's the guy who's going to get drafted next fall. And then, kind of an X factor is Quentin Bohanna. And Quentin Bohanna is a guy. If you look at him; he's just an amazing physical specimen, right? He's a 350 something pound guy absolute monster in the middle of that defense but last year you know i think it was only 20 total tackles or so and he's a guy who yeah he had a great year i believe some outlets even had him as like a third team all sec guy but he's a guy that they want more from this year believe it or not and brad white talked about that in detail how if kentucky's defense uh wants to take the next step this year and continue being one of those elite defenses they need more from qb
2: Quentin and I have had quite a few talks because
0: I have very lofty expectations for what he can be for us. And I will not shy away from that. And he doesn't want me to shy away from the fact that I we need more out of him and I expect more. It's it's not about being, you know, a one player or a two-player game you know, that looks good in a highlight film. It has to be consistent down in and down out. And, you know, again, he, he wasn't just a, a highlight guy. He, you know, he does a lot of the dirty work that nobody sees. He commands a lot of double teams. He keeps guys free. Uh, but what I expect of him is to do that and then more. So it's his job plus is what we talk about. And what he can do is he can hold point And when a guy comes off, I expect him to tear off. I really expect to get more out of him in the pass rush game this year. You know, he doesn't need to just be thought of as a run guy. He's got enough uh, twitch and short area burst and strength that he can affect the pass game, and we need him to uh, because there's going to be times that he gets the one-on-one, and when he gets the one-on-one, there should be nobody that can block him. Okay, and so that's, that's the expectation for him. That's what I expect him to do.
1: I feel like I learn every, uh, something from Brad White every time that guy talks. He is he's a hell of a uh, defensive coordinator. Kentucky's got obviously a guy who used to work in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. And Kentucky's lucky to have him. He's going to be a head coach somewhere one day. Uh, that's inevitable. But uh, I do think uh, they'll get that growth from Quentin Bohine. I really do. Too talented. Uh, not to. Definitely the area of biggest concern for this Kentucky team. Middle linebacker. And... Chris Oates is a huge loss. You pray to God he's okay. We don't really know exactly what's going on with Chris. Uh, Significant non-COVID-related injury slash sickness. Uh, This offseason was reported, uh, confirmed by UK. Uh, We don't expect him to play this year, and hopefully we'll see him again. He's a guy who is going to blossom. Former four-star guy with golfers from every school you can think of out of Columbus, Ohio. And was supposed to take over that middle linebacker position with Cash Daniel now uh, gone. So you, you just pray for that kid. But on the football side of things, Kentucky's going to obviously need DeAndre Square, who really, at the beginning of last year, he was off to as good a start as anyone. The production dropped slightly, but he's still a guy that, uh, when he's right, he's one of the better middle linebackers in the SEC, and you're going to be relying a lot on Jamin Davis, uh, the f- number 44 Jamin Davis, I believe, redshirt freshman last year, did some pretty good things. Uh, I think he led the team in tackles either once or twice, but he's just not proven enough yet to say, oh yeah, we feel 100% comfortable You know, with Jamin Davis over a guy like Chris Oates and definitely Cash Daniel who... You know, for the people not going to speed or some of the... I know he's popular in BBN. He wasn't very popular in the SEC with some things, and that's okay. But he was a tackle guy. He was a guy who was reliable. He was a leader. The guys on the team looked up to him. He would go chase down the ball every play. You could never doubt the guy was playing as hard as anybody on that field. So Cash is going to be a loss uh, on and off the field. There's no doubt about it. Especially, I think he's a b- even bigger loss now uh, without uh, Chris in the mix. So Jamin Davis, a guy... Kentucky's going to need to step up. Also, a guy to watch is going to be um, K- Jared Casey, the former uh, Louisville native, four-star guy. I think he's going to move back to his natural inside linebacker position and get more playing time this year as a redshirt freshman with that redshirt broken off of him. Marquise Bramery is another guy to watch. He played a little bit, especially in that Vanderbilt game, did a couple good things. So uh, there's, There are definitely some dudes there that can make things happen. There's no doubt. But... Uh, There's so many questions at the middle linebacker position. Uh, There really are. Uh, It definitely concerns me. I think that if Kentucky's run defense, they're going to need Quentin Bohanna, as Brad White mentioned, to step up big time. They're going to need a big year from Phil Hoskins coming back uh, from injury last year and getting the sixth year of eligibility, a rarity given, for the injury he suffered last year. He suspended the first two games. Was set to make his return against the Florida Gators, which was uh, week uh, week three of the season. And I think... He got hurt during pregame warm-ups. I don't know if we ever learned uh, what the exact injury was, but he obviously didn't play a down last year, and Kentucky missed him, and I think he's another guy to watch. So if Kentucky's run defense wants to have another solid season here in 2020, they're going to need both. the middle linebacker group in the defensive line, middle of that, de- nose tackles, uh, the beef of that defense to step it up big time. And real quick, before we get to Van, we'll just look at the special teams. That is very important. Uh, from the punting game, we have the best punter in the country in Max Duffy, uh, a great guy award winner. This year, Brandon Mann, the guy who was right behind him and won it, I believe, two years ago, it is now with the New York Jets. He was drafted. Congratulations. Duffy's an elite punter. He's, he's so fun to watch, he's a great personality. Obviously, the Australian-born, he continues to insist he's not very good, which is just a joke when you look at what the kid did last year, and how valuable is it going to be this year to have a guy like him punting the ball? When field position is going to be field position when you're facing tough teams is everything. Uh, The more you pin them back deep, the better chance you're going to get a punt. Uh, The harder it is for the the offense to drive down the field, and. Also, you're going to buy your offense, and then you get the ball back in better position. So, having a guy like Duffy, especially in a year like this, is so huge uh, for Kentucky. And then, the probably the biggest hole in this roster is that place kicker. Uh, Chance Poor was the highest rated recruit as a kicker in 2018. He stunk last year. There's no if-and around it. He loses his job to walk on Matt Ruffalo, who did, had his moments. He had the 50-yarder against Arkansas. That was a huge, huge kick. Uh, ended up... Being a, they won the game by four, so there's a huge reason why they won that ball game. Uh, he had a really good performance in the Belk Bowl, but he he showed his you know he lost his job too. They flipped him back and forth because Ruffalo missed two extra points against Missouri. So he's a guy who uh, we don't exactly know. We know he won the job. He's going to be the place kicker, whereas Poor, who has, they think has the bigger leg. Is going to be uh, the kickoff guy. Grant McKinnis had been in that role and they were counting on him to be the holder again this year, but he transferred. He will be at Missouri. Um, they'll see him on Halloween in Columbia, Missouri. So that's that. Also, of note, new long snapper, Kade DeGraw, is going to be your new long snapper. And he, Josh Moore, had a really interesting story on him in the Lexington Herald Leader, uh, UK football beat writer, friend of mine. Uh, He hopes he never, you guys don't even know what he's doing out there. It means he's doing his job, and there are no bad snaps. He is, of course, filling in, or he's the new starter now that Blake Best, who was a four-year starter for Kentucky, did an awesome job. Obviously, if you don't know who he was, it's because he did really well. He didn't screw up, and uh, he was the one snapping the ball to Max Duffy uh, in the kicking game, so uh, that's the other guy to watch. All right. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here on the Cats by 90s podcast, and then we'll get you that interview with Van Hiles, former U.K. defensive back. And then I'll give you my game-by-game predictions for the 2020 Kentucky football season. And we're back on the Cats by 90 podcast, driven to you by Espinations, and sea of blue. Joining me now is former UK defensive back and interception machine, Van Hiles, as we continue to preview the 2020 UK football season that begins next week. Van, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. I'm not sure about that interception machine, but but <laughs> I'll take it.
1: Ah, oh, man. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. Come on, <laughs> But I guess it would only be appropriate to start when looking at this 2020 UK team with the defensive back group that finished second best in the nation in past defense despite losing Lonnie Johnson, Mike Edwards, and Chris Westry, and Darius West uh, after the 2018 season. And I guess that's the perfect question. Were you surprised to see the success that the young UK secondary had last year despite those guys, um, all those guys I just mentioned not being around?
2: Honestly, I don't want to toot my own horn, but not really. And uh, when you play the position, the most important group for a defensive back is a front seven. And I knew that our front was, was, was going to be a terror. And when you can put pressure on a quarterback, it makes the job of a corner or a safety that much easier. You can be the greatest cornerback in the history of football, but if you got to guard somebody for six seconds, they're going to get catches. And, and our front allowed us to win on first down and get the offense off schedule. And that's why we were so good in, in, in the back half.
1: What do you want to see from the group this year? Do you think that they can – what do you think they can still improve on? And what do you think – obviously, you're a Louisiana guy. Kelvin Joseph brings to this group. He's a huge addition at corner.
2: Yes. I've, I've seen Kevin Joseph play in person in high school. The one thing I want to see them do now, and that's why I wasn't too worried last year, is we got to get turnovers. Yeah. It's it's something that we have to do is better is to just make plays. We have been there, we've been close, but now the way you you turn a game around for the secondary is to turn the ball over and get an interception, put some put some um some negative energy into the quarterback's head, and then you can do some other things. We got to make him second guess himself and get at least, to me, we got to be in the top, at least top five in conference and, and picks. If we get there, our defense is going to go to another higher level.
1: As a former defensive back, what would scare you the most about having to go up against a guy like Terry Wilson who can kind of do it all when he's completely right? And obviously, coming off the injury, uh, there's a ton of questions. Is he going to have that same explosiveness? Um, is he gonna kind of turn more toward throwing the ball as a defensive back, what do you see the challenges he presents? And just personally, what are you expecting from him after missing all the time he did last year and this severity of his injury
2: right the 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 thing that I hate as a hate as a corner was a quarterback who can extend the play. yeah when he gets out of pocket and then his guys go off schedule because I was a guy who used to study film a lot. So I had a pretty good idea. 60% of uh, percentage of what that receiver is going to run. And once you get off schedule, now you're lost. That receiver can do anything in the world. So that's what I don't like about <laughs> as a corner of, of a mobile quarterback is just extending the play. Now, the thing I like about Terry, and it's, it's uh, not like, the positive that I can take away from what happened last year with Terry, is now he can sit on the sideline, analyze the game, more now – as a as a backup as a student their game that will help him now. Cause once you engulf into the game plan, into practice, it's hard to be able to step back and analyze, okay, I should have done this, I should have done that. You can watch film, but that game day you kind of it's a you you kind of retreat to your habit a little bit. So I think him him and having that time to get into the playbook even more, study even more, understand why Coach Grant is calling this and understand what the defense can do to combat it. I think this year he's going to be, um, I guess, a more, I don't want to say intelligent, but more guy who understands all the concepts better. And that's going to help the team as a whole.
1: And how much of this is having the offensive line that Kentucky has with four of those guys returning and the running backs he has behind him kind of take that pressure off him. But on the same note, are, does it concern you with all the inexperience at wide receiver and, you know, even if Terry can deliver the ball, are they going to be able to catch it? They just barely were part of this offense the last eight games of the year last year.
2: Right. The, the O-line is everything. Yep. It, it's the, I would say this, I mean, the trenches, and that's why I, I I'm so um, positive about the seasons because we're so deep in the trenches. Not only are we five deep on the O-line, we're probably about eight to nine deep, which is huge, especially during this pandemic. The, the thing I'm not worried about the receivers now, the receivers are inexperienced as far as game catches. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these guys are not inexperienced as far as being in a program. So they understand the concept, they understand the route combos, they understand how defense can attack you. I think we are going to be, and I said last year, I think I thought it was going to be better than people thought. And I think we started the season and we showed that till the injury happened. But I think. If we get Epps back, I'm not sure. I heard he's still having the injury problem. But with the way Ali ended the season, Clevan was really good during the season. Oliver showed some speed, some burst. And we got uh, Daly. And then we got the young guys. I, I think we got a pretty good deep wide receiver room. That is going to to surprise a lot of the fans, but not me. I I, I think that, that group is better than what people think they are.
1: And do you think that could actually help in the sense that defensive backs and opposing defensive coordinators what tape do they really have? I mean, most of the guys you just rattled off, outside of Ali, are younger guys with not much tape on them. Can't that help a little, where you can kind of scheme and throw looks that the defense might not be expecting with these wideouts?
2: Exactly. These first two games are going to be hard for the opponent to scout us because they have a whole season last year of running the Wildcat, and the previous year we were kind of with Benny, so. We had a system that probably if I was Auburn coordinator, I would go back to um, Coach Grand years at Cincinnati to get an idea of what they might run. Because I don't think you are going to see this year what they ran, definitely not last year, and definitely not the 2018 year when we won all those games. So it's going to be hard off the gate for these teams to to scout our offense, definitely.
1: Looking ahead to the 2020 UK football season with, former U.K. defensive back Van Housen. Before we look, take a look at the schedule and, you know, the win-loss type of thing and the opponents, uh, is there anything with this group? Obviously, this might be the most uh, complete team U.K. has had <laughs> maybe ever. It's such a complete roster. It's hard to nitpick any weak spots. But is there any groups that concern you at all, maybe even maybe the inside linebackers with, you know, the unfortunate situation with Chris Oates and uh, the lack of experience there?
2: Yeah, this this is, I've said it many times on Twitter that this is the, I, I can only date to 93 because that's the only time I really knew about Kentucky football when I got in there. This is the best team on paper since 93. And, and it's not even debatable. I agree. Uh, so I I want to say the linebacker position is a little bit of a headache but honestly, you don't most most teams don't rotate middle linebackers that much. So we're definitely too deep. Now I think to me, Jerry Casey is gonna be a good addition. I, I see him more of a middle linebacker than an outside linebacker because he's not to me he's kind of tight in the hips. That would be the only position that I'll worry about a little bit, but it's only a depth issue and like inexperienced issue. I think there's so much talent there. Um I think KD and McDaniels might be there too. So I'm not sure of it. It is. It's just a, an aerial concern because there's just not three deep like everywhere else. Everywhere else we we pretty much three D with SEC talent three D, which is uncommon.
1: You know, now that I think about it, the group actually on this team that might be the most concerning is kicker. I mean, yes, that, they had a lot, meant. of it. but. It, it's in all seriousness how much pressure does that put on your defense and well, offense that you need to get either really close to the end zone or score a touchdown to feel comfortable coming away with points? And for a defense basically failing, I mean, when you is it just demoralizing when you have a 35 yard kick missed and you have to uh make up those points or hold those points for your offense? I mean, that had to be tough for the UK defense last year and offense because. They had so many good drives. They just ended in horrible missed kicks, including, uh, obviously, the Florida game.
2: Yes, it's, it's a momentum shift. Now, the crazy part about it is without having the fans in the stadium, I yeah. think it'll be a little bit different because that energy that the fans give you when you're at home in the midst of the field going, everybody go, oh, you feel that. <laughs> I, you sh- I know people should say you shouldn't feel it. But when you, see, when you hear it and that energy in the stadium, because they're loud, they're cheering, all of a sudden it goes quiet, you feel it as a defense and you feel it as an offense, and the opponent feels it too. So, with the stadium being empty, I'm not sure how that would work because I've, I've never been in that situation. Well, I shouldn't take, say that. I, I've been in some empty stadiums at like Commonwealth in that one in 10 season. So, it, I would say this. It is hard for the offense more than the defense because the offense has worked themselves all the way down the field, maybe inside the 20, and they're kicking themselves. If, if they're not converting the red zone, then they get a missed field goal. So now they are a little bit down. For the defense, though, we're like, okay, we got decent field position. We're not at the 50. We're at the 20. Their, their percentage of scoring is really lower at that percentage. So we're we okay, but the offense, I can really see it hurting them, though.
1: And that's kind of a perfect transition. This year with the 10 SEC schedule and you have five road games in some hostile environments such as Auburn, Florida, Alabama, do you think that helps Kentucky's chances of going on the road and pulling off those upsets? Or, you know, the team is what it is and they're going to be able to go down there and have a shot or just not given the talent on the other side uh, with or without the fans? There.
2: It is definitely a factor among many other things. Like, let's just go with the first game. Auburn has lost probably the best front that they have had in years. They lost some secondary players, so they're going to be young. And one thing about young players is they feed off the energy. There won't be that energy. We got a veteran-laden team with a lot of experience, and that's going to help us. I think that is a big advantage for us to not have those fans there because when, if we get up, let's just say we get up 10, and then Auburn makes a run. They won't have that, that stadium to feed off of and we won't have the stadium to kind of think about, OK, we need to do something special now and start doing things that you're not supposed to do. So I think that's definitely a factor in, in helping us. And then on the back, on the other side, it's going to hurt us, too, when we're at home. So having these big games on the road this year is going to help us possibly pull off the upset, which I feel like we will pull, up this, pull off the upset.
1: Yeah, Auburn is a game I've circled as a win even before the whole pandemic hit. It just feels like a good matchup week one. But is what game other than Alabama, I think that's the one game that would be just a shock if they come out and win. But what other games concern you on this schedule? I mean, Florida looks like they should have a pretty good year, a lot of experience. Georgia's always good. Is there anyone else that stands out as uh, that game could, you know, be the biggest challenge of the year?
2: Um, It's... It depends on how that first game goes. Yeah. That Ole Miss game is a trap game for me. The Ole Miss-Mississippi State game is a trap game. You got totally new head coaches, new schemes. You have no idea what they're going to run. Those games give me a pause. That Mississippi State game is before the Tennessee game, so that's a trap game that way. The Ole Miss game is a trap game. If we beat Auburn. We'll come off that game high, maybe too high and maybe overlook Ole Miss, those are the two games that really I can see us maybe having a hiccup, but we have an experienced team. Hope, And I think we have good leaders on the team. I think they can rally those guys around and say, okay, if we lose Auburn, okay, guys, we got to get back, roll on this next week. If they beat Auburn, I think they have the ability to calm everybody down. Like, God, there's only one game. We got a game next week. Let's handle, and do it. Let's handle our business and take care of Ole Miss too. But those two games are the ones that, that, that really give me pause.
1: You mentioned Tennessee, and that's just the one team Kentucky just seems not able to conquer despite having the better roster the last handful of years. And you obviously play down in Knoxville and are part of the ongoing losing streak since 84. <laughs> what makes it so hard down there in Knoxville, even when they're not at their best? And why do you think it is Kentucky can't break that streak? And is this, or well, they broke the streak, but can't beat them consistently. And do you think this year, they can change that finally they haven't won there again like i said 1984
2: i'm not it's it's a weird it's some things i think are just meant to be in essence and tennessee we should have just like we should have been florida years before yeah. 2018 you should have beat them a few years before that at, at <laughs> their place when they gave before. them the extra time but i'm not going to talk about that <laughs> yeah. so the thing about this game with tennessee though And the reason why I feel comfortable is I think it's a jinx, but now the whole schedule's changed. We're not playing them in November. We're playing them in a different time. I'm thinking a different time slot will break that that cloud that Tennessee has over us. And that's why I feel pretty good about Tennessee. We usually face them late. Tennessee last year and even the year before, they started the season rough. Then by the time they get us, they're starting to roll a little. They start to feel a little confident about themselves. I think getting them early, getting them before they get that confidence going, is going to help us.
1: Who concerns you more just looking at them, Florida or Georgia this year? Florida's the more experienced team, but Georgia's, obviously, we know the talent they have from start to bottom, but they have questions at quarterback.
2: Florida scares me, and the reason why they scare me is is something that most people don't think about, is that's a Thanksgiving Day game, a Thanksgiving week, right, I think?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's like 28th, I believe.
2: And I live in the South, and that game can be hot. And we're going to be coming from 40 degrees, 50 degrees, maybe a little snow on the ground. And I've been here for a long time. It can be 80 degrees on Thanksgiving Day. And wow. that alone makes a big difference. The, the conditioning, the coming from a different kind of weather going there. After coming from Alabama and getting beat up, that, that that environment can can cause a big problem for us against Florida.
1: And do you, with Florida, do you believe in that quarterback, Kyle Trask, down there? Is he a guy that scares you with the Kentucky secondary? He, I mean, he had been a backup in high school, too, and he comes in right. on killed Kentucky, and he never stopped. He, he was the best quarterback in the SEC from outside of Joe Burrow last year, in my opinion.
2: No, he doesn't scare me. I'm going to tell you, this <laughs> is something that, people need to understand is that people who game plan against Florida was game plan against Felipe Franks all year, right? That offensive system change. And as a defensive coordinator, you are, you have no idea what they're going to run. It's kind of like us with with Lynn last year. If you look at the plays, we kept evolving. We kept adding stuff to plays all year long because we started to feel, okay, we can do this. We can do that. And teams couldn't game plan against us as well. That's the same thing with Trask. Uh, Coach Mullins became more of a little pass happy, which is a little not his, his MO. And teams, I think, were a little shocked by that. Now they won't. They, they have a whole year of film on them, and it's going to be a different story for Trask because people are going to start giving him some trap coverages that they didn't see last year because teams were a little more vanilla because they wasn't sure what Coach Mullen was going to run. Now they have an idea, and now they're going to run some coverages, some some schemes that are going to trick Trask a lot. So I don't see them having as good a year this year as they had last.
1: And before I ask you and start wrapping up your final record, uh, record prediction for this team and where they'll stack up in the East, uh, what's something? What's a bold prediction you have for this team or something you think is going to surprise uh, UK fans SEC what do you think that fans are sleeping on with this team that they need to know
2: I've I think Jordan Wright is going to be the sleeper guy on that defense I think he's going to have a potential of making all conference second or third team I think he's that good not sharing those those reps with Josh Pascal is going to allow him to show his true talent and I think that's That's the guy I'm looking for to take the next step. He's going to get some sacks. I can see him probably get an interception or two, um, getting some TFLs. I can see him being a difference maker on that team because a lot of people are going to start scheming against Boogie because he's that guy that everybody knows about. So they're going to scheme against him, and Jordan's going to come on the opposite side, and I think it's going to wreck havoc.
1: And I have to ask you this now. I think Pascal is going to be a lot better putting going back to the defensive line with a hand on the ground. He he seemed, I mean, obviously it's hard to judge him uh, with what he was going through, but he seemed a little uncomfortable outside linebacker compared to when he was on the defensive line his first year.
2: Exactly. He had a little bit of that Jared Casey, a little tight in the hips. But he can use his athleticism with his hand on the ground more than he can use it when he was out in space. So I think he's going to be he's going to be dangerous because not only is he strong, he has some quickness to him too. And that's going to create some, some terror for those guards.
1: All right, then I believe your Twitter handle or bio right now says SCC East champions <laughs> for 2020. So is that your true prediction? Do you see this team winning the East and what, what do you see their final record standing up and who are the teams that they do fall to and upset?
2: So I, I had us before to see on the twelve schedule, Winning the conference. And I think this schedule lines up for us well. I think Coach Leach going to Mississippi State, because usually that's a, that's a grind out game, physical game, actually helps us. And I actually have us at, I'm, I'm battling between eight and two and nine and one. Wow. I, I think seven games is the over under. If we don't win seven games, I'm going to be very disappointed. So the obvious games kind of scare me. Uh, the Bama, Florida, Georgia. Those are the three games that scare me. The advantage of the Bama game is we basically, I don't like to say this, but I'm a fan, not a player. If we get a two-week bye week, we get the bye week before Vandy, then we play Vandy. So we should get some time to, to get these younger players some reps, give some break for the older players to get us up for the Bama game. And I'm not sure if Mac Jones is ready for what, He's gonna encounter this year, so those two games are the ones that I'm hemming and hawing about. And I, I think we beat Tennessee, and I don't. I think Georgia's young; their defense is great, but the offense, eh, I'm not so sure about. Let's see what their quarterback is. I got us eight and two or nine and one, and it, to me, it comes down to Batman, Florida. It comes down to how we play those two games and. I think that's how we win. If we go 8-2, and two, Florida's going to lose two games. And Georgia's going to lose more than people think they are going to lose. I agree. And if we can get into that 8-2 and two range and beat one of them, I, I think we got a chance to be the conference champ.
1: Conference champ. And who do you see coming out of the West, then, I have to ask you. Because if you have Kentucky win the SEC East, I'd love to know who that uh, SEC championship game matchup would be with.
2: It's got to be Alabama. I I'm not sure if I trust Miles Brennan yet. And LSU's had a lot of players opt out. Now, if those players opt back in, then I might go with LSU. But right now, I got Bama coming out of the East. But Bama's not going to be undefeated. I can guarantee you that, though.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a hard year for anyone to go undefeated. Exactly. <laughs> with everything going on and the inevitable flyers striking somewhere. But, Van, I really appreciate the time. We'll get you back on another time before I let you go just let the bbn know how to find you one more time.
2: You can find me on Twitter at, at @vstyles, V as in Victor, S T Y L E S 17 and I'm looking forward to adding some followers if you guys want to follow.
1: I appreciate the time. No problem. And you heard it, folks. Van thinks that UK football is going to win the SEC East. They're going to play Alabama in the SEC Championship game, which would be a rematch of a regular season matchup. And (laughs) uh, and 8-2, that's pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. And I don't know if I agree with Van, but I'm not far behind him. I think this Kentucky football team, the odds makers, who clearly don't pay an ounce of attention uh, see them as a four to five win team, and that's just not the case. Let's take a look at this baby game by game. Uh, Kentucky, of course, will start the season a week from today, 12 o'clock Eastern Time, 11 o'clock down there at Auburn against the Auburn Tigers. It'll be the first matchup with Auburn since 2015. Auburn won that game by three. It will also be the first time Kentucky goes to Jordan-Hare Stadium since 2009 when Rich Brooks led a Kentucky team in there and actually won uh, the ballgame. That was the last year of the Brooks era. Uh, And it was kind of the end of that nice little run Kentucky had in the late uh, 2010 season, first year with Joker. Uh, Auburn-Kentucky. That is going to be a hell of a game. I think that's the best game of the SEC slate that week. I understand it wasn't the CBS game because... You know, LSU is the defending champion. Uh, they're going to get that time slot even with all the l- losses they had. Uh, Mississippi State, I don't think, is going to be great this year. Uh, we'll obviously predict that game coming up in two here. Uh, Mike Leach, though, that is such an intriguing piece in Starkville. And KJ Costello, uh, the transfer from Stanford, I'm really interested to see how he does in his first year in the SEC. Get that game being the number one. But Kentucky and Auburn, Auburn, the thing with Auburn that I love the matchup for Kentucky is Auburn's defensive front and offensive front are just so decimated from a year ago with either injuries, not injuries really, more guys leaving for the NFL. Derek Brown uh, is the the biggest example of that. Defensive tackle from uh, Auburn was the seventh overall pick in the draft last year by the Carolina Panthers. So they're going to have a lot of making up to do. And Kentucky has the best offensive line in the SEC, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion. And they have a great defensive line if they can stay healthy up there, uh, especially with Phil Hoskins back. So I really like the battle in the trenches. Uh, I think Auburn has some really dynamic players at receiver uh, that's going to make that's really going to make life difficult on the Kentucky secondary. Obviously, Kentucky secondary was great last year. Uh, they got to prove they can do it again. I think still I'm pretty sold on it, but. I, I I'll put my money officially all in if they can shut down this group of Auburn wide receivers because it's a good group. Uh, and I, Bo Nix gets, a lot of people call him overrated. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. He was the SEC Freshman of the Year last year. I was impressed. He only threw six picks as a true freshman. Uh, he beat Alabama, he beat Oregon, so he beat some quality teams. Um, Auburn only won nine games. He lost to the Outback World to Minnesota. But I like Bo Nix. I'm sold on him. I really like him. So this is going to be a hell of a game. I think what it comes down to is how effective is Terry Wilson to throw in the ball? I think Auburn's going to definitely want to try to stop the run. I don't think the run defense is great, so we'll see if it works. But if it does, you got to see how Terry Wilson throws the ball and how the receivers can handle it. Um, this is going to be the 20th. As of now, it could change this week because there is ACC and Big 12 action. But Kentucky will enter that game ranked 23rd in the AP. Auburn eight. I've been picking Kentucky from day one, and I'm going to stick with it. I do think Kentucky pulls off the road upset, and I do think it does help in a game like this to open the season with the jitters that you're not going to have a full capacity at Jordan Hare, which, God, I wish there was. I miss being in those packed stadiums and packed arenas. I'm so over this stupid damn virus like I think everyone else is out there. I mean, obviously, I pray for everyone who's been affected by it and has lost, of course, but just get the stadiums back. But I like Kentucky. Uh, start the year 1-0 with a big road win at Auburn I also like him week two at home against Mississippi Ole Miss and I think Ole Miss is going to have a really good year don't get me wrong I think Lane Kiffin has finally redeemed himself what he did down there at Florida Atlantic the respect his players had for him and the offensive guys he developed I mean you look at Devin Singletary starting running back for the Buffalo Bills he's the Lane Kiffin guy at Florida Atlantic Uh, and Ole Miss has an offense now, folks. I mean, John Reese Plumlee is maybe the best mobile quarterback in the SEC. They have a great running back. um, And Jerron Early, young kid. They have some great receivers. And Elijah Moore, who he's known for the little P incident thing, but he's actually a really good football player. Miles Battle. So they got some ballers over on that offense. I think that's going to be a really close game for Kentucky. There will be some jitters with it being the first game uh, at Kroger Field. But I think early in the year, I think if that, the game was later in the year, I might have Ole Miss in an upset. But I, I'm going to go with Kentucky. I think they're going to win that game, and I think they're going to start 3-0 because I think they beat Mississippi State and Lane Kiffin. Uh, excuse me, Mike Leach. Uh, Mississippi State, definitely, they're going to benefit from, I think is going to be okay. First year in the SEC, though, man, that's tough. And he obviously has been had his injury issues, but I think he'll be okay for them. Uh, I love Kylan Hill, the running back. How could anyone not? Uh, but they lost so much of that defense to the NFL, Cam Dantzler and Willie Gay, and lost some guys in that offensive line as well. Lost some guys at receiver. So I really, I think this is kind of going to be an in-between year. I think Mike Leach is going to turn that puppy around quick at Mississippi State because, I mean, they were. It's not like they've been bad under. They weren't bad under Moorhead last year. They had. They obviously underperformed. I think they went six and seven, losing to Louisville in the Music City Bowl. Uh, they went nine and four the year before that. So. You know, it's not like they've been bad, but and that it's so hard to win in the SEC West, uh, whether you're Mississippi State, Ole Miss, kind of that in-between group. Uh, it's really, really tough to get to the top, but I think Leach gives them as good a chance as anyone, but I think Kentucky wins at home against their former offense coordinator, that is, in Mike Leach. Week four, uh, Tennessee, Knoxville. Kentucky has not won in Knoxville in my lifetime. I don't think they've won it in my co-host Drew Brown's <laughs> lifetime either. Drew was, I believe, born in 87. I was born in 99. The last time they went in Knoxville was 1984. I went down there a couple years ago. Uh, 2018, Kentucky entered the game, I believe, 7-2. and two. They had just lost that game to Georgia that sealed the East for the Dogs. Still, Tennessee was terrible that year. I think Tennessee came into that game 3-5. And, and pretty much knew they probably weren't going bowling. And Kentucky still get their asses whooped. I mean, it, it happens. <laughs> That's what happens in Knoxville. And I actually really like Tennessee's team this year. Uh, I think Jeremy Pruitt did an amazing job. I thought he should have been SEC Coach of the Year last year. I mean, they start the year as terrible as it gets. He could have been fired. You lose to Georgia State at home, you lose to BYU, not a good BYU team at home. And then you end up starting 1 and 4. They lose to Florida, which was expected, and they lost. Lost another game in there. I can't remember which team it was. I think it was Georgia. It was Georgia, uh, which both expected, but still one and four at Tennessee. That's not acceptable. And what do they do? I mean, they start two and five. Eventually gets two and five, and they went out. They go eight and five, and they win their bowl game over a really last year a really good Indiana Hoosier team down there in the Gator Bowl, and it was a comeback victory. Uh, and they bring back so many of the guys that made it successful last year. Uh, what's his name? The quarterback, uh, Jared, Jared Garantano. Had a huge turnaround. He was a huge part of getting that thing going at Tennessee. He's so much experience, the senior. Uh, I think he's going to have a good year. <clears throat> I like uh, their offensive line is one of the best in the SEC. Trey Smith is back. They get Cade Mays, the ex-George kid, eligible. Uh, their offensive line's nasty. The defense brings back almost everybody. Henry Toto, Nigel, uh, I believe Nigel Warrior is out of there, but Henry Toto might be the best young uh, uh, linebacker in the country. So, uh, not in the country, but in the SEC. And then uh, the receiver position is the one you circle a little bit. Uh, they, The last couple of years, they've been blessed with Marquez Callaway and jo- Jawan Jennings going up and grabbing jump balls left and right, especially Jawan Jennings, special player. Uh, really good kid overall. I know the stuff he did in that one game against Vanderbilt was really bad. But overall, he was a leader for that Tennessee team. Hard not to like. Uh, just respect as a football guy. Um, so I think... Uh, they're gonna obviously Josh Palmer's gonna have a lot of pressure being the last man standing in that room, but I think Tennessee's gonna have a good year, and I can't pick Kentucky to beat beat not beat, beat Tennessee on the road in Knoxville. I just can't. So three and one, I like. Well, I won't get there yet, but Kentucky will play Georgia right after that. That's gonna be a really tough game. Obviously, we know what Georgia is, but this is a game I love Kentucky's chances in because I think what Kentucky has that other teams in the FCC don't is the continuity, especially with what happened this offseason where you didn't have the traditional workouts, you didn't have your traditional offseason to get to know each other and bond and build that offense, defense, whatever. Georgia's offense from last year is just not the same, right? I think they lost three of their guys. Andrew Thomas, first-round pick. Isaiah Wilson was first-round pick on the offensive line. Uh, Solomon Kingley's gone. He's with the Dolphins. So I think they have two guys returning on the offensive line. DeAndre Swift, the best... I mean, he's up there with George's elusive history of great running backs, Herschel Walker and Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb and all those guys, so many of them. He's up there, and he's gone. DeAndre Swift with the Lions, uh, Detroit Lions and Logan Stenberg. Jake Fromm, you say what you want about him, game manager, winner. Lost five games in three years and took that team as a true freshman to overtime the national championship against Alabama. College football winner. Gone. Jamie Newman, transfer from Wake Forest. Oh, he's going to be the best quarterback. Gone. He's not even going to play. You opted out. Uh, JT Daniels, a guy who missed all of last year at USC, injured, will likely be the starter if healthy. Uh, he's actually dealing with his own injury bug. I believe he's had rib issues. He's still recovering from it there's some questions there man uh the defense for the most part stays the same that's what's going to be really tough about georgia there's going to be scoring points so i think you're going to be looking at a low scoring game but i'm picking kentucky i think they're due to beat georgia It hasn't been since 2009 uh kentucky has what they need on the offensive line to just handle themselves hold themselves together and i think their defense will get enough stops and win that game in lexington four and one I like them winning at Missouri on Halloween. Missouri's kind of going to go through a rebuild process here with Eli Drinkwitz last year, complete and utter disaster with all the talent that some people had them as a sleeper team to win the East. I had them, I actually had them finishing, I believe third. I had Kentucky fourth. I really was high on Missouri. I had, I believe my standings were uh, Georgia, Florida, Missouri, Kentucky, sorry guys, uh, Tennessee and Van, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vandy. But, um, uh, Missouri is going to have a rough year. I like their running back. Obviously, Roundtree still there, but uh, and the Nick Bolton's one of the best linebackers in the country. He's going to be a first round draft pick, but they don't have enough. Kentucky five and one, uh, Vanderbilt six and one. <laughs> Do we have enough to go through Vanderbilt? Um, Danny Clark, that's their quarterback, right? <laughs> uh, former Wildcat transfer, and Kentucky's going to be coming off a of bye and playing the game in Lexington. Yeah, give me them. Here's where it gets tough go to number two as of now ranked alabama on november 21st they're not beating alabama i mean look i think they're gonna go and be respectable i don't think you're gonna see the 34-3 or whatever that score was in 2016 the last time they played in tuscaloosa but whether it's mac jones or blake sims and a quarterback i I don't love i'm not in love with mac jones the UK commit but i I think he's good enough i think blake sims is going to be really good whenever he gets his chance um uh and Alabama just has dudes all over the field they have more experience than usual guys I mean their wide receivers Devontae Smith senior Jalen wild senior those guys are playing and those guys are both going to be first round draft picks next year Najee Harris the running backs to be one of the first running backs taken off the board Mac Jones played a lot he ended up playing a lot more than anyone thought he would uh the defense has Dylan Moses they're going to filthy team. They're gonna win the SEC, I think. I think they'll be back in the Natty this year with Clemson. But uh so I'm gonna to go to that would pick Kentucky at six and two. I also have them losing to Florida. Uh, it's another game it's hard to pick Kentucky. I know the streak is over. Uh, they get the big winning Gainesville in eighteen, but last year it just went back to the same old thing. And I think Florida's gonna win the SEC East this year. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Kyle Trask. I think he's the best quarterback in the league entering the season. They have a lot of continuity. Uh, Kyle Pitts, the tight end, is back. He's a hell of a player. They have Some of their receivers are back. Most of their defense intact. Uh, give me Florida there. Uh, that would be 6-3. and three, And I think so I'm one game off from Van. Van had them 8-2. I have him 7-3. and three. I think Kentucky will finish a rare regular season game in December. December 5th is the last regular season game. I think they finish it off with a win over South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina, uh, kind of similar they're in a weird stage. It's amazing to be Ryan Holinsky didn't win the job. The transfer from, I believe, Calf I don't even know who their transfer quarterback is that won the job. When I saw that name, I couldn't believe it. Um, that Ryan Holinsky, who I thought did some pretty good things, uh, respectable at least, uh, didn't win that job. Yeah, Colin Hill. Colin Hill, a transfer from- Where is this dude even from? Colorado State uh, is going to be the starting quarterback, at least start the year. It looks a lot like Gardner Minshew, by the way. Even wears number 15. Uh, weird. But uh, anyway, last year, Kentucky's five-game winning streak over South Carolina was snapped, obviously, but I think we all know Kentucky wins that game last year if uh, they had Lynn a quarterback. I got them seven and three. Uh, Van has them eight and two. Cast Podcast, your 2020 Kentucky football preview. Like, comment, subscribe uh, to the Asia Blue Podcast Network on iTunes, Spotify, wherever the heck you get your podcasts. And we're going to be back with you, I believe, our next show will be recapping week one. Can you believe it? Kentucky and Auburn, stay healthy. Let's get some damn football in. If We have to wear a mask. I don't love it, but do it so we can watch this football. Let's get this full season in. And we'll see what UK can do against the SEC. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at A. Gershon 99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always
2: Cats by 90.